Welcome to Mission Viejo Christian Church. Today, Pastor Mike Maiola is bringing the word to you. So open up your Bibles and listen in. All right. You know, when, um, when you meet Jesus, um, everything changes. I, I don't know about, you know, everyone's got a story. I wish we had time to tell everybody's story, for you to come up and just tell your story, or maybe stand right here and just give a, a three-minute synopsis of, you know, how you came to the Lord. When you came to the Lord, I, I'm sure that um, if you told your story, you would talk about the internal change that happened to you, which then changed the outside and how life just went from 180-degree turn to something completely opposite of what you expected. I think often during Christmas, we kind of romanticize what Christmas ought to be because we know the Lord and we have the joy of the Lord, but the reality is sometimes life has a way of creeping in and it can oftentimes bring sadness, it can bring loneliness, it can bring despair, and maybe we got some family and friends out there that are going to be moving in during the Christmas season and we work with people, we go to school with folks, and, and, and it just seems like, man, this should be the most joyous time of the year but there's sadness and there might be despair and there might be issues or anxiety and problems. And the reality is life doesn't always fit into a nice, neat package, does it? And, and that's what I, I'm always just in awe of the Christmas story because it, it doesn't follow this nice, neat package that's all wrapped up in a bow. Um, we, our worship leader here, Mark, who's here every Sunday with us and his team and his wife, Kaylee, she's uh, singing right alongside him. I don't know if you know his story, but he's not supposed to be here. When he was born, he had a rare form of MS. In fact, um, the doctors told his mother, uh, his parents, you better get uh, your affairs in order because he's not expected to make it. We don't expect him to. So being the godly woman that she was, she got him to a place where there are people that prayed over him and prayed to Jesus that, that Jesus would spare his life and do something amazing. Well, long story short is obviously Jesus healed him, but not only healed him, but gave him joy. I, I, one of the things I love about him is he's just got joy, man. I don't know if you notice, but he's smiling. He loves, you can tell he loves to be up here. He's, he's not here because of a job. He loves to praise God. And, and I, I love that about when God puts joy into somebody's life, he causes us to either go one of two ways. Now, I, I want you to choose this morning. Uh, I'm going to paint uh, two different pictures for you, and I want you to choose which one you want. Knowing that we've come to Christ, those of us here who have, he's put joy in our life, he's turned us around. But there's a life that's we're just going to call normal. Come to church. We do, we love God. Come to church and stay kind of in a safe place with God where we have opportunities before us that if I stepped out in faith and, and really did this thing, oh, I don't really know. Maybe that wasn't from you, God, or oh, I'm not really sure. I just, I... but then versus the other side where we are expecting God to do something. And when God speaks or I see an opportunity, man, I want to jump in with both feet. Which life do you want? Do you want a normal, just Christian life, the way most are just kind of walking? Or do you want this unexpected, faith-expecting, serious, just walk with God where God is moving and you are listening and you are stepping out in faith and you are seeing God do some amazing things? Which one do you want? I was on the phone yesterday with a guy who talked about he had been praying for Orange County for 20 years. 
for 20 years, Orange County would come to Christ, that there would be something that would land on this city in this area before we even got here, that, that God would do something so amazing that lives would be changed, uh, destinies would be altered, uh, hearts would be renewed, there would be a revival in the land. I saw a vision from God. I saw it. There were people that were lined up at our baptistry all the way around the grass. They waited for hours to get saved. They waited for hours to be baptized, not because of a comfortable Christianity, because God had so moved in their life, they're willing to step out in faith and do whatever God said. That was Mary in the Christmas story. Mary had this amazing life. In fact, if we looked at her life before she got the news that she was going to be with child. Her life was in a nice, neat package. She lived in a little town called Nazareth. In fact, her name is the derivative from Miriam, Moses' sister. She grew up in a Jewish home. She loved the scriptures. She knew the prophecy. She knew that one day the Messiah would come. Little did she know it would come through her. She was respectable in her community. It was a small town where everybody knew everybody. Making wise choices along the way, most likely, was her life. She wasn't wealthy. She loved God. She honored God with her life. And there was a man that came into her life. And his name was Joseph. She had stars in her eyes. She fell in love with him. He was a well-respected carpenter in the community. Everybody knew everybody, and they began to meet, and there was something that, that, that happened in that moment. I, I don't know exactly what it was like, but, but, but there was a lot of planning and executing of, 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 of that great day when they would be married. And Mary had these stars in her eyes. She just, this was the one for me. She was respected in that community, and all of a sudden, because she is a woman of faith, God interrupts what she thought her life was going to be like. You remember when you were dating? You remember when you got engaged? Do you remember when you were planning for your wedding? You, just, you had those stars in your eyes. You had the plans. You, you knew what it was going to be like, and, and you, just, you had it in a nice, neat package. It's always interesting to me when, when folks come in to, to get married and they want to do premarital counseling. They sit so close on the couch, you know? <laughs> They're holding hands and the way they look into his eyes. And I said, what do you love about Bobby? Oh, Bobby, he just fulfills every part of my life. And, and what do you love about her? And she just fulfills and We're just a complete person. And, you know, the reality is that cannot sustain itself for a lifetime. Unless I'm connected to Jesus and let him pour into my marriage, the statistics are true. 50% won't make it regardless of of a religious affiliation or, or, or race or, or economic status. The only thing that will hold together is Jesus. Amen. And Mary is in this household where she had everything planned. And all of a sudden there was this interruption, which is where I want to go right now in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, let's go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. It's a familiar story, but man, my hope and prayer is that there's something different for you. See it from a different angle and appreciate Christmas so much more. The depth of Christmas through Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph and a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. 
The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. And the angel said, since, or she said, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I want us to go back to that moment when there was an interruption in what Mary's life she thought it was going to be like. And if you're sitting here today, think, I know I've got my life planned out and I know exactly retirement and school and college and marriage and kids and I just know exactly what I want. Just wait, because God has a wonderful way. If we step into the boat with Jesus, he has a wonderful way of disrupting all of that. And, and, and it's, usually, it's all that, always for our good, always for his purpose. This angel comes to Mary and You are highly favored with God. God has seen your life, Mary. And you will now give birth to a son, the son of God. I I, I love Mary's response as we just, if we go on into the latter part of this chapter where she's so humble, knowing that she's the least likely to be the one to be carrying the son of God. And then, of course, next week we'll look at Joseph's life and as Joseph is now Spoken to by the angel, Mary has a task before her. She's got to go and tell Joseph, after they've been engaged, that she's now pregnant. Can you imagine? I mean, just unpack this for a moment. She is so respected in the community. She's highly favored. God has now spoken, but nobody in the town knows that. None of her relatives, her family knows that. She went from this respectable woman who knew God and loved the scriptures and grew up in a Jewish home to now this scandalous threat that was all over her life. People who probably didn't notice her were now talking about her in the town. She's got to go to to Joseph and and, and break the news. And of course, as you know, when she does, Joseph makes a decision. He says, I've just got to divorce her quietly. I don't want to embarrass her. I've, I've got to get out of this. I'm out. There's no way that I'm going to stay with her when she's been unfaithful to me. That's his first inclination. That's his first response And of course, we know that the angel came and talked to Joseph. said, Joseph, take her as your wife. She's been conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's such an amazing story as God unfolds real life faith that lives in expectancy. Not a normal, same old, same old kind of life, but there's a edgy kind of faith that when we walk with God expecting the unexpected, God shows up. So I love this about the story of Mary because it brings us simply to number one. Mary was willing to forgo the comforts of her life. 
She was simply willing to go with faith. She wasn't worried about what other people said. She wasn't worried about the consequences. She just said, God, I'm in. If this is your program, God, I will adjust my schedule. I will adjust my agenda, God, for you. I love it. Which leads to number two. Mary was willing to be ridiculed and scorned. She was. I, I, I didn't realize this till I was digging a little bit down deeper into this text this week when I was looking at this. She not only probably for a few months had to withstand this ridicule, but if you think about it this way, Jesus didn't reveal who he was until he was 30 years old. So as, as Jesus learned in the carpenter shop from his father Joseph, there was probably talk going on for 30 years of this illegitimate child. I mean, there's all kinds of scandal around this that when I really think about it, Mary was an incredible woman of faith. She was willing to step out and live for God, whatever the consequences. Here's the question. Will I settle for the status quo of just doing the expected? Or will I enter into this faith life with God that is so unexpected, so turbulent, that God, the only thing I have is for you to hold on to? Will I step out in faith and trust God with this radical adventure with him? Or will I stay in the safe Christian life? You know, the more that I'm um, following Jesus, I, I'm, I'm learning that it's a fight. It is a battle out there. That, that, that out there in the world that is so contrary now to God, it almost seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. That it's anti-God, anti-church. And, and, and for those that Jesus has called to follow him, which is all of us, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to step out in faith and live boldly for you, God, and make decisions that, God, are in your agenda rather than my own and just stay the status quo? So where is the faith to believe and follow? In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Which leads to number three, Mary was willing to stand when she didn't understand. I love that. When there's times in life where we don't understand what God is doing, will I, will I stand with him, trusting and having faith that God, you know best. Listen, for me, I cannot judge on what I see. I must judge on what I do not know and trusting God that he will see me through. Faith supports the hope that we have in God. Have you noticed out there that people need hope? People are looking for hope. And, and, and so the question is, will I just have a passive, listening kind of Christian walk? Or will I be on the edge of my seat and say, God, what do you have for me today? You, you, you can, we can come to church services and, and it's kind of sit back and just take it all in. Or, or the kind of life that I want to live is, man, I'm on the edge of the seat, my seat. God, what do you want? What do you want to do, God? What do you want to say to me, God? Because I came to get a word today. I came to experience God so that I can take God to somebody else. God, I came to live a life of faith and not a life of comfort. Lord, speak to me. Talk to me. What do you want me to do, God? I'm willing to do whatever it takes, God. I'm willing to do it for you. Listen, I did not get in the boat with Jesus to watch someone else fish. Mm-mm. 
When I was called, man, when Jesus called me, like just every one of us here, there's a calling God has on your life. And that calling is to follow Jesus. It's not just to believe in Jesus, it's to follow him. When Jesus said, believe in me, he was saying from a Hebraic mindset. The Hebraic mindset says, if I believe, I will follow. If I believe, I'm committed. If I believe, I will trust you, God, and I will walk with you all the days of my life. No matter what happens on this earth, God, I trust you. The, the, the Greek mindset was, well, I can believe in it, but I don't necessarily have to be committed to it. I think in our Western culture, we are more like the Greeks more than the Hebrews. See, when Jesus spoke from that Hebraic mindset, he says, if any man would deny himself, he must take up the cross and follow me. There is no just easy believism. Well, I just believe in Jesus and I tip my hat to him at Christmas and Easter. It's I follow Jesus every day of my life and I will hold on to him no matter what. No matter what the devil throws at me, I will walk this walk of faith. I believe I will not look back. That, that's where Mary was. Mary was looking for God. And when he showed up, she responded by saying, yes, Lord. Here, here's where I'm at. It just walking with Jesus, trying to... to trying to walk with him in this life that oftentimes is so contrary is, I will not settle for the status quo in my life. I will not settle for just what everybody else does. I'm not going to settle for just the norm. God, I want something greater. I want this unexpected expectation, God, that you're gonna show up every day. I will not settle. Mary was not willing to settle she wasn't willing to settle for the norm in Nazareth. She was willing to, to bank everything on God and say, God, I trust you in this. I will follow. I will see you through, God. You know, I'm always intrigued with uh, cases, court cases and such. And, 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 and I just want to illustrate something that, that I think um, just where the conviction of my heart is about where I want us to be with God it, just imagine for a moment there's a dispute with someone or a group or something, and there's obviously some conflict, and, and there's a choice. Are you going to take it to trial, or are you going to settle? And it's not about the issue. I just, I just want to bring us to a place of conviction. I want the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of conviction where we, I will not settle. Whatever the consequences, whatever they may be, I will not settle out of court. We will see it all the way through. And that's the kind of conviction God wants us to have. Listen, when, when God saved you, he not only saved you to something, he saved you from something, didn't he? Whatever God saved you from, don't forget that. We, we were just, I was just talking with a brother of mine. I said, what would our lives be like if we didn't have Jesus? I don't think that I would be here. I don't think physically I would be here. I was down a path of my life. I think I would have been self-destructive. I, 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 I don't think I would. If I would be here, my life would be a complete mess. Therefore, because I know that I am saved, because I know that Jesus has, he has resurrected my life internally, God, I just want to live for you. I have this faith that says, God, I am not settling for the status quo. That means when I see somebody during this Christmas season that's hurt and laid out, am I going to take the time to move over to that person and befriend them, to love them, to reach out to them? It costs us something to live a life of faith. 
It's not easy. If, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Churches would be exploding. Everybody would be talking about Jesus. 75% of our culture would know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It would be awesome. I'm believing God for that. Listen, I'm not picking out my casket. I told my wife, I'm not planning on going tomorrow. There's too much work to do. I'll leave that up to you. You surprise me. Whatever kind of casket you want to get me when I die, that's cool. There's work to do now. There's a God to follow. There's people to reach. There's too much living to be done. I love hanging around people who don't take no for an answer. I love getting around a group of people that say, we're, in, we're, we're all in. We see the vision. We see the purpose. Let's go after it. That's the way Mary was. She was all in. And I, I came to church today to get something from God. I came to church today to hear from God. I came to church today to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to go and do something with the faith that God has given me so that I can reach somebody else with his love. You know the thing I, I love about Jesus? Jesus was so on mission. Jesus had a purpose and a plan. After he was born into this world and spent 30 years with his, his father in the carpenter shop, learning the ways of the Palestinian area, he entered into ministry at age 30. For three years, he had to choose these 12 men, spent three years with them, poured his life into them. He rubbed shoulders with them. He showed them ministry, what it means to, to love people and to reach out, give people hope. All those things that he showed them, he was, he was just ready to pass the baton onto these guys, and he's going to leave it to them now. And just before he does, his ultimate goal was to get to the cross for it is at the cross that we find life. It is at the cross that we find new life. We find resurrection. We find resurrection power for everyone who's ever taken a breath on this earth. God has died and resurrected for every one of us so that we could be saved and we could have new life. Here's the question. Do you want to live the normal, safe, predictable life? Or do you want to live a life of faith that's unexpected, and on this turbulent thing that, that, that God will take us on, we don't know exactly where we're going. I'm looking for the prize. I'm looking for the trophy. I'm looking for God. You know those, um, I've always loved these things. You know those, those great, those huge um, swordfish? I've always wanted to go, you know, deep sea fishing. And I've always just been intrigued with how those things, when they mount those swordfish, it's so cool. I was at a garage sale, I don't know, a couple months ago and um, happened to stop by and I saw this swordfish, man. It was like, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks. And I thought, man, I, I would, that would be so cool to get that and put that on my wall. I just, I just think it looks so cool. But the more that I stood there and looked at it, I said, I can't buy that. I didn't catch that. That'd, that'd be like grabbing somebody else's trophy, put it on top of your shelf and say, man, look at what I did. It doesn't work like that. It, it would cost me to call up the Dana Point Harbor to charter a boat, to get on a, a fishing boat at four o'clock in the morning, buy the bait, get on a boat with a bunch of guys that I don't know who are smoking and drinking, and all of a sudden we leave out there from Dana Point in the rough waters, and all of a sudden there's guys puking all over, and it smells, and it's dirty, and fish guts, and all. It cost me something to catch that fish. Listen, it, it's going to cost you something to live a life of faith that never looks back. It will cost you time. It will cost you your finances. It will cost you sometimes your reputation. But I guarantee you this, the greatest prize that we can ever have is God. 
And he's already paid the price. He just wants us now to walk in it. So I will ask again, are we going to settle outside of court? Or are we going to stay with our conviction and ride this thing through, man? I will ride this thing all the way to the finish line, whatever it takes. Mary had the greatest privilege of any woman. Being able to see and hold her son, God's son, God's one and only son. I love the way one, one preacher said it in, back in the day, Chuck Swindoll. He said, and Mary changed the very diapers of God. As she looked into his eyes as he took his first breath of life, as we know it, on this earth, recorded in Scripture. I don't know. You know, it says in the Bible that she pondered all of these things in her heart. And was she thinking about the days that her parents and maybe grandparents taught her the ways of God? That taught her about the scripture? That, that all the years that God spent through the Old Testament of loving his people and patient with them and seeing them through. And now she's holding in her hands the Messiah, the Son of God. The presence of God. That's why I think Mary could live this life of faith. And she got to see the prize. All those things in Mary's life. Birth outside of the normalcy. A two-year trek to Egypt. Safety for the child that God had directed Mary and Joseph the ridicule and the scorn that she experienced, the unexpected turns and twists and detours of life. I believe all for this moment that I want to describe to you right now. As Mary was one of the few that was at her son's cross when he died, that Mary at that moment when she saw Jesus ridiculed and spit on, hanging on a cross, and why? Because he loves us so much. And all the things in her life prepared her for that moment. The reason that I believe that is because in Acts it actually tells us that Mary was with the 12 disciples. She continued to follow Jesus. God in Mary for nine months. God in you. God in us. Why? So that we can have better lives? No, so that we can help others find God. Think about it this way. If, if when you got saved, God right at that moment could have killed you. But he didn't do that because he wants you here for a purpose. He wants me here for a purpose, that we live this extraordinary life of faith, so much so that others will see God. They will see him. I believe God wants to reach out and he wants to touch every person. And how is he going to do that? Through you and through me. Will I live a life of settling? Or will I live a life of faith in the unexpected, trusting at every turn that, God, you are with me? God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And these horrific firestorms that has ransacked our state of California has been on my mind for a while. Seeing the images on the news of families that have lost everything, lives that have been lost, 
despair, people living in tents next to a Walmart and hearing about a church, a Lutheran, small Lutheran church that was just burnt down to nothing. When I heard that from a friend of mine who actually lives up there, the pastors survived all that. I said, you give me the name of that pastor, Missionville Christian Church is going to help in some way. And there's one story that was intriguing to me. His name is Michael Williams. He's a firefighter living in Live Oak Park, California. He's a seasoned firefighter for over 26 years at Station 36. And while fighting the fires of his neighbors, the flames were coming desperately close to his home. His wife was home with her two dogs. She was hiding in the garage as she called her husband. As he rushed over, saving others' lives, he rushed over to save his wife. They both got out with their dogs. He said this. He said, the toughest phone call I ever had to make When I went into that garage to retrieve my wife, the toughest phone call I ever had to make was to my mom because I didn't think we were going to make it. His home burnt down to nothing. A firefighter saving others' lives. Not concerned about his own, but he was living for others. Michael Williams continues to fight fires to save people's lives today. That visual right there is what we at Mission Bell Christian Church ought to be about. It's about saving other people's lives. And I'm saying it now. I will say it again. This is not a feel-good message. This is not an easy thing to do. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. This is tough stuff. It's going to cost you and me something to live this extraordinary life. So I will ask one more time. Do you want normalcy? Do you want just the way everyone else lives? Do you want to just settle? Or do you want to live this life of expectancy with God turning at every corner, believing that God's going to do something great at every turn, trusting him, knowing that he's always there every step of the way. So here's some things I want to leave us with and encourage us with. Number one is I will choose to live out the gospel. That means everything in me, God, is you. I will love the unlovable. I will be patient with those this year who are extremely annoying. That sandpaper person, and you know they're coming to Christmas dinner. I am going to choose to make that moment a God moment for somebody just by the way that I choose to treat someone who's really difficult in my life. I I will make a choice this year to serve others. It's not about my life. It's not about what I want. I will serve somebody else. I will look for some creative way to serve. You ask the Holy Spirit. I believe he'll speak. Surrender in my idea of what my life should be like and letting God dictate what my life ought to be. We're so glad you were able to join us today. If you'd like more information on this teaching or any other teaching, check out our website at mvcchome.org.